Richard, Sicily, 2.0, we cover all crime. I'm as always your host, Great White Snark, Scotty J, rested up from a nice vacation in Virginia. And sitting across from me virtually is the lovely and twisted Monica. Hi! She's, she, she brings the cheer, folks. Somehow. All right. What you guys don't know is usually on, on Thursday nights when we record this, we're both staring at each other, we're like, Oh, God, I'm so tired from the day, uh, work, and, yeah, yeah. Just, we're, we're staring at each other through half-open eyes and yawning and... Yeah, today was busy at work and busy at home doing the same stuff, too, which was even more exciting. Right, well, I mean, I, like I said, I just got back from a, a nice vacation in, in, um, in Virginia. I enjoyed myself. I got to see, uh, I got to see some places I really wanted to see on this trip. I mean, me being a Civil War historian, you know, I went up, I saw the, the Petersburg Battlefield, I saw the Civil War Museum in Richmond, and the White House of the Confederacy, which was great. Um, I saw the White White House two weeks ago. Oh, nice. And then um, I got to see Appomattox Courthouse, the Surrender, the Chancellor's Battlefield, Chancellorsville, Fredericksburg, uh, Pamplin Park, where um, the, the federal soldiers busted the siege lines. And then for complete, because it was originally part of my trip out there, I needed my day at Monticello. I, I went to visit Mr. Jefferson. He said hi. He did. Now, I had a, had a nice one for well, the guy who portrayed him. He was good. He was yeah, a portrayer? <laughs> yeah. They, 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 uh, they got a hold of Disney's animatronic people and um, resurrected the corpse. So, I, and I got to see. I I did make a trip down to Jefferson Square, and I got to send you the picture. Oh, thank you. But I saw Washington Grave and Taft and Wilson from West. Nice. I could see Kennedy's, but I was like, I've seen his like. Because I, I still I still say his brother's got the shaft on that one. Well, he's yeah. got you know he's got this great great viewpoint, mm-hmm. and then you go like fifty feet off to the side and there's Robert, and Robert's got a little marble cross. Mm-hmm. Go another fifty feet and there's Teddy. He's got yeah the he's got another one. I, I was going to make it well when I saw Teddy I was going to make a Chappaquiddick joke but I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I saw Brian Zicknick's grave, but his bitch, really. Um, it's I would you know, for the January 6th. 
forgot my father. Yes, I have. Well, speaking of January 6th, he, I, for those of you who take a keen interest in the, uh, in the exciting life of my psychotic father, he decided to text me while I was on, while I was in Virginia. And at one point, he sent a meme that said, send our J6ers home. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, except for dealing with him was a good trip, but we, I should make this announcement now and I'll make it again at the end of the show. We're on iTunes finally! Yay! We are on iTunes. Um, as of now, as of this recording, the entire back catalog is up. Oh, even like 2016 and all too? Well, no, because that was on 2.0. 2.0 is up. I so wanted to mm-hmm. try to find a way to save those old shows. But, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the hosting site went down. Yeah, so. So I cannot get them. They're lost. <laughs> And you didn't have them backed up to a hard drive or anything? No, I didn't have them backed up on an external back then or not, so. But, no, we are we are officially on iTunes. Uh, make sure you type in Killers, Cults, and Nutjobs 2.0. Don't forget the 2.0. Take, everything comes up. Our, our episodes are up there, so we're rolling now. We're in the big times. <laughs> yeah, now we can actually get people to review us. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I don't know what it is, but, you, you know, when you rate and review, it, something with the algorithm helps you go up. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Oh, God, Mom cooked that steak good tonight. Helps you go up. And also, I almost polished off the bowl of biscuits, so. I'm a pig. Yep. <laughs> but, um... No, something about the algorithm, it, it helps you go up the charts, and, um, so, and we might take a show and read your reviews, we don't know, gotta put some up there first, so. Yeah, so, be nice, try, do you want to say, like, a weird, weird place, huh? there's some places you can rent to record. Oh, nice. Now me, I mean, I could sit here and be like, you know, the old Jerry Lewis, Lady Lay telethons. Please, please. The, the children need your help. But in my case, it'd be a home. Oh, Nixon. Well, my, well, my, I, I never really tried to do Jerry Lewis. But I could do a good Nixon. Obviously. Still, I don't know what we went wrong. Henry, Henry, get in here. I need help with the Chinese. I'm Bella Cook. Better one here before. But, um, no, wait, review us. Tell us how you like us. Tell, tell us what your favorite sandwich is. I, I, I can't stir that from small town murder, they say that. Back in the early days, they were like, oh, for those of you who, uh, who really want to know what my area is like, a couple of weeks ago, Small Town Motor did a, uh, one of their Express episodes on my 
area. The episode's called The Man in the Box, Kankakee, Illinois. Take a listen because you think I'm making this stuff up. No, this place is nuts. <laughs> it's real. Yeah, well, Phil and I covered it. It was the um, Leonard Small case. And I didn't know, I mean, I keep hearing things over the years that, um, about, I'm going to look into it and we'll cover it because this is my, this is my backyard, people. I was, I was a freshman in high school when all of this went down in 1987, so, the thing is, is I don't remember it. Well, it was like about a thousand years ago. <laughs> right, but even when it was going on, I, I don't remember hearing about it in the news or anything. I didn't care. <laughs> but I know the locations on where they where everything happened. Except where he was buried. I don't know the location of that. But anyway, take a listen. Uh, it, it's uh, just within the past couple of weeks. Um, you can you can hear them mispronounce Kankakee. They get it right. They get it wrong. But show your love for the kink. Also, there's a, a local rapper who did a song called It's Not the Kink. You can find it on YouTube. And the thing is, well, the thing is, is he filmed the entire video in a gas in a gas and wash <laughs> inside and in the parking lot right. hey that that's not even low budget that's no budget mm-hmm. but it's in case I'm happy hey my my daughter Dana told me she's like dad those people who drive up just to go to the gas and, gas and wash and take their picture because that's where the video was shot. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, they probably had to shoot the video overnight because there was nobody in there <laughs> to, to interrupt the shot, so. But the funny thing is, is all the towns that he names, because he goes, Willowbrook, not the kink. He starts naming Chicago suburbs, except for moments. Moments is, is where I work, but that's the only local area he talks about. Everything else is like the suburbs of Chicago. And what's the, funny, the topic for today? And the funny thing is, the guy's from Hershire, which is a, sm- a town smaller than mine. Which is tiny. No. Uh, it is, but hey. We were the we were the birthplace of Jack Sutma, NBA superstar, and owner of the Seattle Supersonics. Impressive. All right, folks. Enough promoting the area. We got a good one for you today. I was promoting. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I promote the area. You do not want to come here. Run. But, uh, we are going to start, um, I don't know how many parts this, this is going to go yet. I'm, I'm thinking three, maybe four. But we're going to talk about David Crash and the Branch, the Branch Davidians. I was going to say the Branch Caridians. God, I'm, 
my mindset on the opinion. Now, the, the funny thing is, is, I mean, I don't know about other shows, but I know when Phil and I did this the first time, we really didn't talk about the Branch Davidians, and to, to kind of understand what led up to the series, you got to look at these crazy people. And I mean crazy with all my heart. They, they, they're some special people. So, we're going to take this, this first part here, we're going to talk about the Branch Davidians, um, where the idea of Koresh came from, so that you've got a better understanding of when we really get into to, um, Vernon Wayne Howell, otherwise known as David Koresh. When we get into his story, then you can understand where this all kind of comes from. You basically have to understand that otherwise it's just the new government coming to... Right. Yeah. I still think they kind of jumped the gun a little bit on that, but... Yeah. I mean, but I'm just... I'm just look at the background and all this... Right. And I mean, I'll go into more of it when we actually get to the, to the siege, but... Man, I do believe they, they just jumped the gun. Because I'm, I'm looking in the books on uh, Timothy McVeigh, so it, it's going to kind of... Timothy McVeigh is like the aftermath of Waco. Well, that's a huge... Duh. Right. And then also since the anniversary, I can't believe it's going to be 30 years. I mean, well, technically now it's already 30 years yeah. to see what's going on. It was 30 years ago today. David Koresh talked the band to play. Oh, he's a little busier than that right now. Well, right. We didn't have a band. We didn't have a band. Mm -hmm. oh, I was trying my version of Sergeant Peppers. Where David Koresh's Lonely Hearts Club band. And we hope you will enjoy the show. David Koresh's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Sit back and smoke a bowl. Oh. Yeah, I'm still working on it. Okay, good. All right. To understand the standoff at Waco, we need to go back and look at the origins of the Branch Davidians. Much of what led to the standoff had happened in the group before. Two men who had shaped the events of the Branch Davidians were William Miller and Cyrus Teed. That, that's a name that needs to come back, Cyrus. But unfortunately, it's kind of tied into a douchebag on uh, Trailer Park Boy, so maybe not. Yes, I watched Trailer Park Boys. Love that show. Cyrus Teed! Hope I'm saying that right. I typed it. Cyrus was born in 1839. His family was poor, and by the time he was 11, he dropped out of school to help support the family financially. So how did he do this? Well, you see, it was probably, what, 1849? Not a lot of options open for an 11-year-old. Now, he's, he's too old. Well, he can work in the mill, but he's not like the small kids who can get their hands in between the machinery to get stuff. So what did he do? He became an animal handler on the canals. After walking up to 30 miles a day for a monthly wage of 8 bucks. Now 8 bucks was a lot of money back in 1849. 
You raise a family on eight bucks. Unless you're Charles Ingalls and then you, you, you can't do it. Now, this was a long and tedious job, one in which Cyrus felt he could not do for the rest of his life. When not working, he read the Bible and would follow the apocalyptic prophecies of William Miller. In 1859, Cyrus began to apprentice with his uncle, who was a surgeon in Utica, New York. Despite his lack of a formal education, Cyrus wanted to be a doctor. Same year, he married his 16-year-old cousin, or second cousin, I should say, Fidelia. Now, when she was pregnant with her first son, they moved to Bing Binghamton, New York, so he could attend the Eclectic Medical College of New York. Where did you graduate? The Eclectic Medical College of New York. Where's your spleen? The Civil War broke out in 1861, and like most young men of the age, Cyrus signed up to fight with the Federal Army, but due to a severe case of sunstroke, his enlistment was cut short. He went back to school, and upon graduation, he joined his uncle's practice. While working with his uncle, he got an interest in studying alchemy and built a lab next to his house so he could practice the ancient art. Now, the whole purpose of alchemy is, you know, you're trying to turn lead into gold, get rich quick. Well, one night in October 1869, Cyrus said he did it. Turn lead into gold. While he basked in the achievement, he began to wonder if he can use alchemy to cheat death. While thinking through this problem, Cyrus said he was visited by a female angel that fit the description of an angel in Revelations chapter 12, verse 1. This angel told Cyrus that he was to redeem the human race. But see, as in all cases, if you're going to redeem the human race, there's a cost here, folks. And in Cyrus's case, he had to die. So later he started to add to the story, saying that there was going to be a violent clash and he would translate into a more godlike form and he and his followers would live in a sin-free world. Must be nice. Cyrus would be the Lamb of Redemption, and be the ones, and would be the one who would open the seven seals to bring about the apocalypse. Cyrus was the new King Cyrus, who was the liberator of the Jews, and he took the name Koresh. Pay attention, folks. This is going to come back on the quiz. It was foretold in the Bible, if he knew where to look, and Cyrus did. So what does any worthy Messiah do? He starts a lecture tour. <laughs> See, that's where my dad failed. My dad did not do a lecture tour. Because as I was reading all this, all this early stuff, a lot of this, and especially later when we get into David Crush. A lot of it reminded me so much of my father that I had to put the book down for a bit. It was just like, no. That's pretty bad we get so far. Well, and, and I got to thinking, you know, okay, we've talked about Manson, we've talked about Jim Jones, and now we're doing Koresh. And it seems like in all three cases, they preach an apocalyptic event happening 
Well, only they are going to be the ones to usher in the new age of humanity. Yeah. It's just, well, my father, his apocalyptic vision was going to happen, but him and six other people were going to heaven. Yeah. And I, I said, if I had to spend eternity with you, I'm going to hell with everyone else. At least I can have a party. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, according to South Park, the devil does leave all Sunday, so... Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have a little uh, Sunday. You know, get get to get to roast a pig, have some uh, Don Ho playing in the background. Okay, so as far as his lecture tour, he first was teaching people about his theory of immortality, and I think it dealt with like eating, you know, going to a vegan diet, and you know, living a pure, sin-free life. You know, the good stuff. On August 10th, 1884, the New York Times said Cyrus was soliciting money from those who followed him, like every other televangelist who <laughs> would follow, which prompted the local attorneys to say that they were going to file charges. Well, Cyrus skipped town from New York and he came to Chicago, where he continued on with the lecture tours. He still attracted attention from the local authorities. By 1890, Cyrus was known officially as Koresh, and with a few of his followers, bought some land in Esther's Florida. While there, he began publishing a newsletter called The Flaming Sword. His followers began to call themselves the Koreshians, and within a few years, his followers were in a few hundreds. We should start a religion. I'll think of a name first. Okay. Get back here on that one. I'll, I'll review the name call, and I'll just get up and get up and preach in front of everybody. It works. Please <laughs> send me your social security checks. Lord wants me to have an apartment complex. <laughs> or a hotel, whichever comes first. It depends on the size of the hotel or the right. complex, though. Right. Well, we, can, we can run it out as both. It don't matter. Sure. In 1906, problems began to emerge. Don't they always? Yeah. <laughs> October of 1906, a visiting Christian who was in Fort Myers, Florida, when he got into an argument with a local marshal. This was the beginning of spring break. Sure. <laughs> Cyrus was nearby and, according to different reports, either tried to break it up or join in the fight. Either way, he was punched by a marshal and went down. His followers would say this is where he suffered a blow to the head that eventually led to his death. Cyrus died two years later, but his followers said this was all a part of God's plan. Upon his death, Cyrus's followers placed his body in a zinc bathtub and awaited him to transform into his divine form. Like a Pokemon, you know? After five days with no results, the health department <laughs> said they needed to bury him, which they did at a seaside grave. He remained there until a hurricane blew his grave out to sea in 1921. Cyrus, I choose you! <laughs> William Moore was a Baptist lay minister and farmer in upstate New York. William's deep study of the Bible led him to believe that Jesus would return with fire 
sometime in 1844 
Yeah. Well, Mormon is Mormon started around this time too, and they're still around. Yeah. And you gotta have a good message if you're gonna stick around passing on the the beginning. Because mm -hmm. those first first few years are rough starting your own religion. Ask my dad; he still has two mouse, two cockroaches, and a mouse following them. Uh, too bad you're in Disney movie. My brother Jeremy and I did suggest that once. He went off and got a black hooker. Okay. Yeah, that was his punishment for us. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, these guys come up with a good idea, and I mean, we're looking around the late 1800s, early 1900s, so people were, I don't want to say more gullible, but they're more, they were more believable. Yeah. So we get to 1935, with the followers who had gathered from within the SBA. Victor began to look for a place where he and his followers could live and prepare for the end times. He found the perfect place in Waco, Texas. He named it Mount Caramel, or Como, whichever. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, every time I see that, that every time I see Caramel, you know, you start thinking of, like, the, the candy. Yeah. People either call it Caramel or Caramel. So it's Mount Carmel, and eventually 120 people would live there with him. The followers either worked on the property, because, you know, they, they had to prepare this place for the, the coming, you know? That make it look nice. Or they worked jobs in town to help the girl community. Eventually, the property would extend 375 acres of prime Texas real estate. It's a desert. Actually, now, I, I watched that Netflix special on Waco, and I mean, they, they turned the property into something nice. It's got grass and, you know, looks real good. In 1937, once again, problems began to creep up. Victor, who was 52, married the 17-year-old daughter of his assistant, Florence Hermanson. Now, Florence, the 17-year-old, she quickly became his personal assistant, and she knew shorthand, so when Victor's up there giving his lecture, she's scribbling it all down. You need a good assistant. You know shorthand? Yeah, but I remember they so offered it back in high school, when I was in high school. Well, I'm, I'm going to be taking this class. <laughs> oh, well, okay, what we can do is we can videotape my sermons mm -hmm. so that we can transcribe them and send them out to the followers. Okay. Oops, try to find some more ones. <laughs> <laughs> right. In 1942, Victor changed the name of the church to the Davidian Seventh day Adventist Association. See, this is all slowly starting to come together, folks. Now, by 1954, Victor's health began to fail. <laughs> really? His condition had worsened to the point where he needed to be taken to a hospital because the Davidians like to take care of themselves inside the compound. But it got to a point where someone probably went, um, we need to take him to a hospital. He didn't look too good. Now, it appeared his health was rallying and he was doing fine, but February 5th, he died. After his death, Florence was chosen, or Florence went before the governing board and said Victor named her his chosen successor. 
since the two did not have any children, that, you know, he could go, hey, Timmy, take over for me. Now, victory predicted the end times before his death, and now it's going to happen on Wednesday, April 22nd, 1959. Lois is instructed to double the recruiting efforts to get the required number. I, I kind of picture like the uh, like you know God, the Godfather laying on his bed. I want you to double the recruiting efforts. We must need the numbers. When the day of the apocalypse arrived, didn't happen. Sorry, folks. Jesus ain't showing up today, and people began to leave the group. Well, because of this happening, two members of the congregation, Ben and Lois Roden. Elevated to step in and create the branch Davidians. See, it's all it's all coming together here, folks. Now, this new group would be the one who's going to bring in the apocalypse. Ring that sucker in like Dick Clark dropping the ball on New Year's Eve, folks. Lois was losing face. People began to follow Ben. Lois was strapped for cash and began to sell off pieces of the property. By mid-1965, Bill had managed to get a hold of the land that the main compound sat on. Under Ben's leadership, the branch Davidians purchased property in Jerusalem, along with the U.S. holding. I, I want to say it was during this point that they also got a place in San Francisco. So, diversifying, man. They got San Francisco. You got... Um, Texas. You got a place in Jerusalem. What more do you need? The Romans had a son named George. Tell me about the bunny rabbits, George. Who was more of a problem than an asset. George would rather listen to his opinion, and if anyone disagreed with him, he would physically abuse them to make his point. George also had delusions of grandeur, often belittling with, um, often belittling. Oh, sorry. Often believing he would become the new leader when his father died. In 1977, Ben's health began to fail, so George declared himself the leader. Lois believed that she should be the leader of the group. To achieve this, in 1977, Lois claimed she began to receive visions from the Lord. Does that all work every time? Yep. This caused a split in the followers, as some left and some stayed. Ben supported his wife as leader, but his death on October 22, 1977, caused a major problem. George, looking to seize the leadership role, demanded the council have a leadership vote, which was the first in the group's history. Lois won in a landslide. <laughs> With George making threats and causing problems, Lois eventually got a restraining order, once that was in place, George left, often going to New York, then he remained in different parts of Texas. Lois continued, but she knew the branch Davidians would be a strong leader if her, health, if her health failed. One that could stand up to George and he tried again to become the leader. Lois prayed, and she believed her prayers were answered in 1981. And that's where we're going to move it, folks. Yeah, that pause... The, the zoom, it totally froze up, and it just, like, no sound, no video, then it closed down, then it opened back up again, I'm like, uh, <laughs> okay. 
Oh, I sold you, Don. And the good thing about yeah. Don because it popped on right at your point. I know, and I was looking at it, like, yeah, it's seriously just, like, right there, and I was checking, like, oh my god, yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> but, as, as I said before, you know, you gotta understand the past of this group to know how it all kind of fed into the, the, the siege, basically. Yeah. It seems like if you become the leader of this group, your health will fail. Yeah, so why anybody would want to? <laughs> right. And if that was me, like, um, would you like to be the leader? No, the past you have failing health. I like my house. Uh-huh. I'm going to stay back here. I'm, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good back I'm here. I'm a follower. I'm a follower. I, I will follow your ass to McDonald's and get a Big Mac. Yep. <laughs> I will let my diabetes do me in. You're not the, like, curse of the bridge to the Indian. Or as uh, Wilford Brimley called it, diabetes. Oh, yeah. And well, yeah. I love the pictures of him and Paul Rudd, and you're like, it's... I think he's the same age. Yeah. Like, wow. Uh-huh. Who found the fountain of youth, and who didn't, you know? Yeah. But that is... That we think Paul Rudd, like, sucked all that age from... Right. Oh, way, way, way back. <laughs> uh -huh. So, like I said before, we're on iTunes. iTunes and Spotify, you can find us there. Yeah, don't wish the other thing works. Right. Uh, join us on our Facebook page. We're, we're nice people. We don't bite, unless you pay. Much. Right. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy we're on iTunes. I'm happy that, well... The this um the one we we recorded before I went on vacation will be out this weekend. What was that William Desmond Taylor? Yeah, I think it was William Desmond Taylor. Yeah, it was. I'll have that one out. Um, so you know, join us next week as we look more into the uh, Range Davidians, and we're going to have a focus on uh, Vernon Wayne Howell. Yay! I can't believe I found that book. But, um, we're going to wrap this up before we go off on a tangent here. Since that's what we're here for. Second so. right. You can put that in your, in your iTunes review. I love it. No. <laughs> and, uh, so for Killers, Calls and Night Jobs, I'm Scotty J. Say goodnight, Monica. Goodnight, Monica.